we'll hide, and you count and come find us. Okay, Daddy. No, no, not Daddy. I'm the nice fish who wants to be your friend. Okay? Okay, Daddy. No. I'm... The swingers, oh, the jungle VIP. I've reached the top and had to stop, and that's what's bothering me. We see the undertow, and we say, let's go! Hello and welcome. You're listening to Mouse Madness, a podcast dedicated to bracketing all things Disney. I'm Chris Bowersox. And I'm Kyle Skinner. And we are your hosts for Mouse Madness. Each episode will focus on a single Disney topic, generate a bracket, and debate our way through the madness to figure out who or what is truly the best. Follow us and play along on Twitter at Mouse Madness Pod, or send us an email at mousemadnesspodcast at gmail.com. This week, we are doing a complete 180 and leaving Swerve. the drunken turnt boys of Disney behind. And we're discussing something that requires a lot of responsibility, and that is best Disney babies. Yeah, we're talking about babies. We're going back to our roots here. Uh, we're, we're going back to the uh, the summer camp days of <laughs> somehow being literally some, we yeah, once, once babies. Somehow, like we were once responsible for for caring for baby human lives. I don't know why yep. uh, we were we were tasked with doing that, but um, also March Madness is upon us. Yeah. So this is like our season right here. So I'm expecting a lot of madness from the Mouse Madness Squad joining us. For this episode is one of our summer camp alums, someone who has worked with their fair share of babies in the past. That's Amanda. Amanda, welcome to the show. Thanks for having me. I'm excited to rate some babies. <laughs> <laughs> sure, sure. Uh, so, so what is your experience with babies? So I don't know if I've ever changed a diaper before, but I have a lot of experience with two and three-year-olds who still don't know how to go to the toilet, but (laughs) (laughs) no diapers. Sure. Sure. And, uh, and what, what about Disney? How's Disney fit into your life and to your, uh, young child care strategy? Uh, I grew up in Northern California, so we go to Disneyland every year around Thanksgiving. And I think this is my longest stretch of time not going to Disneyland. Yeah, I think it's... Stay strong, stay strong. (laughs) We got a date April 30th. Yeah, (laughs) I was going to say, we got a date at least. It's happening, maybe. This is the second time they've announced. We'll see what actually happens. But uh, yeah, Chris, my experience with babies is zero. So we... uh... We went hard with story time last episode of Mouse Madness. We were talking about college. Like, obviously, the stories are going to come out naturally. Uh, I guess I'll go for one right away. (laughs) Speaking of my experience with babies, uh, I was going through some of my old tweets recently uh, just to make sure everything's looking good on my (laughs) my timeline. Everything has, has aged well. Sure found a tweet from 2016 just saved a baby at disneyland oh, kyle yeah. skinner witnessed <laughs> yes yes <laughs> you went into full disney dad mode please oh man tell your side of the story and i'll i'll explain how it looked from my end i mean this isn't that epic of a story but we're walking down main street 
we're, we're, we're approaching the bend into Tomorrowland to the right. I think we're probably headed towards Space Mountain to grab some fast passes or something. We see a, a mother with a stroller ordering some food from a cart. I don't remember what it was. Could have been a churro, could have been ice cream, could have been some drinks. All of a sudden, stroller starts going. <laughs> no locks, no locks on the wheels. It is going straight for the curb on Main Street, about to tip over. Yep. I'm like, I need to grab this stroller before this baby gets yeeted into <laughs> the ground on Main Street. Did a little mini sprint, grabbed it, whoop, wheeled it all the way back to the baby's mother. She did not notice a single thing. I no. was like, I walk up to her store. I'm like, hey, like I just brought your stroller back. And she looked at me like maybe I had just taken the stroller <laughs> or, or something. She had no idea what was going on. So um, Save that child's life. And mom was too distracted grabbing a corn dog from the corn dog cart as we were walking by. And, it, you know, there's they always need to be watched. And we're just happy that you were watching that kid that day. Hero. Disney hero. Dilfs of Disneyland. <laughs> Future member. Um, <clears throat> all right, y'all. So before we start talking babies, let's uh, talk some adult beverages. Let's talk some spoonful of sugar. Kyle, what do you got? So this week, I was trying to think like, what do I even do to pair up with best Disney baby theme? Um, and so I decided to uh, pour myself a glass of whiskey on the rocks because there's that old, old myth that if a baby can't stop crying or can't go to sleep, you just bloop, bloop, little two drops of whiskey and... Uh, <laughs> That baby will quiet right on up, go to sleep, get your baby drunk. <laughs> I don't sure. think you should be doing that. You, I'm sure that doctors nowadays are like, please don't give your children alcohol. Uh, but I poured up some whiskey and I'm just going to be sipping on it. Whiskey on the rocks as we talk some best Disney babies. Chris, what you got going? So, I mean, I guess I'll go with another story time. Uh, <laughs> this is... Uh, this this beverage I have in my hand is the first mixed drink I ever made in my whole life. I was so excited when I moved out of the house for the first time. I'm going to be like, I'm going to make some mixed drinks. Um, and, and I'm going to drink like a grown up. And one of the only mixed drinks I knew was a white Russian I knew. <laughs> because I was a, a little film kid in high school and I loved Big Lebowski. And I thought Jeff Lebowski drinking that white Russian, I thought he looked so cool for being so homeless. Um, and uh, so I was like, I'm going to make me a, a white Russian. And a white Russian is an ounce of Kahlua, two ounces of vodka, and as much heavy cream as you want, as creamy as you want to make it, as thick as you want to make it. Uh, for some reason, I used vodka, 2% milk, and some like chocolate-flavored vodka. So it was basically like double vodka and milk water, yeah. and it was so, it was so disgusting. I was like, this is gross. This is terrible. I'm like, yeah, because yeah. you only got one <laughs> ingredient right of the three. It's right. not even that hard of a drink to make. Uh, so when I was thinking about drinks for this episode with babies, I was like, I'm going to grab the only thing I know with milk in it. It's a white Russian. I have not had one since my original experiment. So I made myself one with the proper ingredients today. And I am happy to say I have redeemed myself <laughs> oh, by yeah. creating a real white Russian that is delicious. Tastes like a boozy milkshake perfect <laughs> and because it's we're talking disney babies and it's inspired by the big lebowski i'm calling it the big baby <laughs> perfect perfect 
Amanda, what have you got today? I have got, um, so originally it was supposed to be like a mango banana smoothie, but I didn't have any bananas. So it is just a mango smoothie because babies eat mashed fruit. Ah. Yeah. Amazing. Like that That's angle. real baby food. You are eating <laughs> baby food. Um, all right. Well, before we get to the bracket and before we get to our uh, rankings of 16, we got to talk about the surveyed demographic. How do we get these top 16 babies? And, uh, you know, the, the Disneyland Park's still not quite open yet, so the intern's still not able to get a real live surveys. Hopefully, they will really soon. Real we can soon. start getting some of those fun parks demographics again. So uh, we, went, we went back to social media, which is our bread and butter lately, and uh, we went with con baby stands. <laughs> and, and, I mean, honestly, this bracket came at the perfect time. <laughs> Seriously. Uh, I mean, I had no idea there was a baby in Raya, and, and we had this like very prominent baby. So sure enough, there were tons of people on Twitter going off about how hilarious Con Baby is in Raya. <laughs> and Kyle, I know that's not, it's probably not you. No, it wasn't me. And, and it's funny because uh, you had texted, <laughs> before I had even seen Raya, you saw it the day before I did. The bracket came out and I was like, who is Con Baby? <laughs> who who is this? And you're like, oh yeah, just wait till you watch Raya. And then I watched Raya. And if you listen to the mini episode, you heard that I had to watch Raya one and a half times. So that the bottom half of that portion was seeing Con Baby twice. <laughs> and I was the introduction of Con Baby twice. And by that time I was Con Babied out. So it's actually perfect time that we're talking about it because had we put this bracket off any longer, then I probably would have dismissed Con Baby from my memory forever, just like I had Baby Dory, which we're going to have to talk about in a little bit. Um, but yeah, these stands were all over Twitter and they were talking about how cute this baby was. Uh, Amanda, did you see Raya and the Last Dragon yet? I have not seen it. I watched the trailer, um, but no, haven't haven't paid the thirty dollars yet. Great! I'm really excited for you to hear our takes on Con Baby and and have to maybe decide if this baby moves on. But uh. of these babies, Con Baby we talked about. Con Baby makes the list. There are 15 others, but are, there are some Disney babies that did not make the list. They did not make it to the bracket. They missed the dance. And the first one for me is the baby from Tin Toy, that Pixar short. OG, now, the OG, OG literally, baby. <laughs> the OG baby. We talked about Tin Toy during the best Pixar shorts bracket. And I talked about how terrifying this baby was because it was absolutely terrifying. This was Pixar's like second short ever made. And uh, they didn't quite have the CGI down quite yet. <laughs> they were no. not ready. They were not no. ready for humans uh, to be animated via computer. And it showed up in, in this short. But the baby is very baby-like. This is a baby who's obsessed with toys, uh, very interested in not obeying probably any of their parents' rules, kind of just crawling around, uh, causing chaos. So I like the baby from Tin Toy, uh, but I can also see why Tin Toy Baby didn't make the list because who's really thinking of that Pixar short? Chris, what's up for you? I mean, this bracket is tough. There are actually like sneaky a lot of Disney babies out there. <laughs> yeah. And and so many characters that we know and love 
were babies at the beginning of the movie. Like that, like random baby shot for two seconds. Some of them made this bracket, but there are a lot of little little mini baby moments. And so, in my in my brain, I think I was like, "Oh, that was such a great baby." And I went back and revisited. I was like, "Yeah, maybe that wasn't a great baby." <laughs> uh, one of those is Baby Pegasus, and Baby Pegasus really didn't do anything at all. It's just like a cuter version of Pegasus. Yeah. Um, I also have Baby Sven, very similar. I feel like Baby Sven's better than Baby, Baby Pegasus, probably. I've, I've also got Baby Cusco. Baby Cusco's on the screen for like half a second, <laughs> and right. he's crying, and he like rips the head off of a, a toy or something, and then everyone like offers him a new one. Uh, I, I just think that it's funny because that whole movie is about Cusco like overcoming his infantile complexes. And so right. even though he technically is only a baby for like a split second, he really is a baby throughout <laughs> the entire movie. Um, I can't. New I, yeah, yeah new I, would, <laughs> I would love I would love to do like a lengthy Emperor's New Groove discussion at some point in this podcast history. But. It's not today. Amanda, were there any babies for you that were noticeably absent? I don't know if it counts as a baby, but uh, little Michael Darling from Peter Pan. Close, I feel yeah. like we've got some yeah. questionable toddlers on here, so yeah. Yeah. he would have made yeah. the list. Yeah, and I think that's going to be something we're going to get into, is like, wh- what are babies and what are toddlers? Yeah. Um, because Boo from Monsters, Inc. is another one that's not on here. Mm-hmm. And Boo is like... She walks that line. I mean, she she walks. It, she kind of talks. She clearly is like independent enough to get out of her bed that is not a crib and like open a closet and uh, find her way through a monstropolis. But right. like, uh, is it a baby? I don't. I don't know. It seems more like a toddler. But in this, we have like babies that can't talk, but animals who are definitely babies, but also can. From real sentences, it's very strange. We'll get into all that a little bit later. Um, but hey, let's announce our field of 16. Let's let's cue that dramatic music for these little Disney babies and let's get into it. The only normal one taking the number one seed is Jack-Jack from The Incredibles. Being rocked to sleep by his jailhouse mama in the second seed is Dumbo from Dumbo. Now this is the story all about how my life got flipped, turned upside down, and I'd like to take a minute, just sit right there, I'll tell you how I became the prince of a forest somewhere. Claiming the number three spot is the Sultan of Spring, the Monarch of the Meadow, the Colossus of Cute, the Young Prince, the Great Bambi. Man, it's been a minute since we've talked about Bambi, so I'm I'm glad that he's back. Visiting the bracket from Luke's Padawan Academy is Grogu from The Mandalorian. In the arms of a stranger, taking the number five spot is Simba. We're about to find out just how far our number six seed will go. It's Baby Moana from Moana. 99 problems and they're all puppies. Coming in at number seven, it's the Dalmatians from 101 Dalmatians. Dancing his way into the number eight seed is Baby Groot from the Guardians of the Galaxy movies. A gift real special, so take off the top. 
Take a look inside. It's Tarzan in a box. <laughs> Swinging into the number nine spot is Baby Tarzan. Being just as cute as can be at the number 10 seed is Baby Dory from Finding Dory. The real Greek freak. Flexing his way to the 11 seed is Baby Hercules. Trapping out the hat box and into the 12 seed is Baby Lady from Lady in the Trap. Lots of tricks, lots of treats. Stealing the number 13 seed is Con Baby from Raya and the Last Dragon. Hustling and grinding for some breakfast at the number 14 spot is Piper from the Pixar short Piper. At two, baby? Coming in at number 15 is Big Baby. And rounding out our bracket of 16 is the toy abuser herself. It's Molly from Toy Story. All right, Amanda, we've got our field of 16. Any early favorites here? Uh, so when you first said the category, my mind, of course, went to Jack-Jack. Um, <laughs> but did love the Mandalorian, so Grogu as well. Um, but excited to hear some of your thoughts. Yeah, and I think that like it's interesting because would Grogu make this bracket if the like fandom didn't give him the moniker Baby Yoda? Because in the in the trill or in the series, he's referred to as the child the entire time. But since we know this character as Baby Yoda, does that did he just sneak his way onto this bracket? Absolutely, absolutely. <laughs> Grogu transcends all media and language. Uh, he he's like he's like math. He's universal. You just have to look at him and you understand, no matter what language you speak. Cute. Yeah. Exactly. So 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 yeah, it works for him. But also, uh, he's he's a he's a heavyweight yeah. in the uh, baby bracket here. So let's let's start things off. Let's let's start with the number one seed, Jack Jack. Taking on the number 16 seed, Molly. We've got a Pixar v. Pixar matchup here. Um, Molly, a lot like a tin toy baby, not the uh, most aesthetically good looking (laughs) of babies. Um, It's so interesting in in doing research for so many of these brackets, going back and and watching really old Pixar movies, like side by side with brand new Disney animation and new Pixar movies. Even like when I saw Raya, I came home and watched Moana. And even that, like a few years ago, was like, dang, they really upped their game a lot. <laughs> For sure. So to go back and watch the Andy's room scene or, or some oh. of these early incredible <laughs> scenes and, and like seeing the, the animation for human characters, it's just like, wow, this this was not bad in the moment it looks bad now but it doesn't take away anything from the movie either like in my head i'm not like wow toy story such bad animation they just do such a good job with like building the characters and all that stuff um different topic entirely but molly doesn't look great (laughs) so we we only get a few molly moments really in the first toy story when she is a baby or at least she's the youngest baby version of herself uh, so we'll go over them. First one occurs uh, at the very beginning of the movie as Andy is playing with his toys in that scene where uh, Mr. Potato Head is, well, what's his name? One-Eyed Pete or uh, One-Eyed Bart? Yeah, One-Eyed Bart. <laughs> That's it. Um, I'll use my 
dinosaur who eats force field dogs. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, that scene. So Andy's playing with his toys, ends up throwing Mr. Potato Head, aka one-eyed Bart, in jail, which is Molly's crib. Yep. And she picks up Mr. Potato Head toy and starts smashing him. And she doesn't like literally break him, but because he's Mr. Potato Head, all of his parts fall apart. And uh, once the humans leave the room, he picks himself up. Um, but yeah, Molly's destroying this thing and she's drooling all over it. She has this very poorly animated like drool stream uh, attached to the toy as well. Uh, so those are some pretty like accurate baby representations there. Uh, if you give a baby anything, it will shake it a lot. Uh, it, it does not know fragility at all. No, and they love to to make noise, and I feel like that's what Molly's doing here, like banging Mr. Potato Head against like the crib and watching the pieces scatter, slobbering, like sucking on the toy itself. Like this is this is some grade A baby stuff here. Yeah, and we see Molly a little bit later at Pizza Planet. She's not doing a whole lot. She's just riding around in the stroller, but I mean, that's, that's what you're going to do. That's what you're going to do with a baby when you got to go to the <laughs> restaurants. Uh, I mean, nowadays you might put an iPad in front of them or something like that too, but um, she's riding that stroller like a real baby would. <laughs> the baby, maybe my favorite Molly moment in uh, Toy Story. And I don't know how realistic of a moment this is, but it's a great comedy beat when Woody and Buzz are riding on RC and they're, trying to get back to the truck and Slinky is all stretched out trying to pull him back in yep. and they swing wide in the car and the toys kind of like swing out and Molly sees them in the rear view mirror as they're listening to Hakuna Matata and she like looks at them and starts laughing and it's it's interesting it kind of like makes you question the Toy Story universe because <laughs> these baby these toys are not alive when humans see them but like this is that moment where you're like oh uh, yeah, yeah. Unless like you know how we all, like, there's this thing about like babies having this like sixth sense, and they can yeah. they can enter different dimensions or see different things than like grown humans can because we're so jaded to to the world. I wonder if like most babies can, just the toys don't recognize that yet or don't know at all, and so that's just Molly flexing her superpowers against jack jack in the number one seat here so uh yeah let's let's hop over and let's talk about jack jack a little bit i i mean i will admit jack jack is not just one of my favorite disney babies jack jack is one of my favorite disney characters period yeah, yeah. and and i'll tell you why it's because jack jack represents chaos and and when he is put in that family dynamic especially superheroes, it just escalates everything a little bit more. Yeah. We see that in the dinner table scene, the famous dinner table scene in Incredibles 1, when Jack-Jack's uh, basically just sitting there and Dash is talking about how he got in trouble at school. Violet and Dash are arguing about some boy or something. Um Jack-Jack's just like making baby sounds in the corner the whole time. He's not really doing anything specifically to anyone, but like the fact that he's just there and making noise, it just makes it like a little bit more intense. Yeah. And so uh, super realistic baby in that moment. And also I think a good way for a baby to serve a story well. Jack-Jack 
we first see in The Incredibles when he's taking a bath in the sink, which is something you have to do with babies sometimes if you want to. Uh, it's, it's a good place because you can access them easily and it's safe so they don't accidentally like slip under the water somehow. Uh, so that's that's what he's doing when we first meet him. He's he's loving it. He's loving that running faucet <laughs> water. He's got some like suds in his hair. Uh, babies love bath time. They do. It's true. And Jack-Jack's no exception to that. Uh, so then, like, then Jack-Jack starts showing his powers. And, and this is kind of where Jack-Jack as a baby sort of falls apart. Because, like, not all babies have superpowers. And especially in Incredibles 2, he starts kind of being more a, a comedic character. And Jack-Jack, Jack-Jack Attack is great. Yes. It's a great Pixar short. It's super funny, and like that's all it needs to be. It just needs to be like a little funny thing. Uh, you don't really have to like establish this character's babiness or anything like that. But in Incredibles two, he starts kind of like being reduced to that, kind of in the same way that uh, Grogu is reduced to a food obsessed little creature in the Mandalorian, which we can talk about later. But the moment that like did it for me is when Jack Jack's eating breakfast. He's eating, they're not Cheerios, they're called Fiber-O's. They're the generic <laughs> Pixar brand of Cheerios. And Jack-Jack is picking them up individually and, like any baby does, sticking his whole hand in his mm-hmm. mouth when he's eating those, those Fiber-O's, um, slobbering all over himself. There's some little like drama that happens amongst the family, um, and then there's, there's kind of like a moment of silence. And this is where normally like Jack-Jack does something funny. So Jack-Jack picks up the entire bowl of cereal and like showers himself with, with the cereal. And I'm like yeah. that, like a normal baby would not do that. Like a normal <laughs> baby does not have that type of strength and coordination. <laughs> a normal baby would maybe like tip it, you know, like accidentally like push too hard on it. It would like fall over, fall on the floor, but to like, uh, in perfect timing with the silence, like sure. grab the bowl and like, it's kind of like, all right, sure, I kind sure. of rolled my eyes at that one. But the moment in um, Incredibles 1 where he kind of has a similar uh, like comedy beat at the dinner table works much better for me where Violet says, the only normal one's Jack-Jack and he's not even toilet trained. And they all look at him and he's like, <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. Like, like a baby would do that because babies think silence and people looking at them is funny and like a lot of times that can be a trigger for a baby to laugh so it's kind of a mixed bag uh, for me on jack jack ultimately i think molly's a solid baby jack jack is a solid baby i'm going with the bias on this one and going with my more favorite character and that is jack jack yeah it's jack jack for me too i like molly a lot in the way that she is just a baby in a disney movie but i don't think she's necessarily a Disney baby. There's a little bit more for me that goes into that. This this baby needs to have character. It needs to help drive the story. It needs to play an important part. Molly just doesn't necessarily do that. She's mentioned a lot in the script for Toy Story. Uh, in my research and doing a lot of this stuff, I will search for these movie scripts and then find their like the name or mention of that character and then read the script that they're like that it's also describing. So like sometimes mm, it's like yeah. Molly's crying in the background, even if I don't like need to watch all of Toy Story 1, 2, and 3 to get my Molly bits, I can like read through the script and find it. And she 
plays a perfect baby, but I don't know that she plays a Disney baby. You said that you have some qualms with like Jack-Jack having powers, but I think that the the way that Jack-Jack has powers and the way that he uses them is super like baby. And I can dive into that more next episode because I want to save that discussion. I but, think I know what you're going. I think I know where you're going. Yeah, with that. but I'm with you. I am with you. Jack Jack's moving on. Amanda, do you have any issues with Molly getting booted out the bracket? None at all. I will say though, it's nice. I think she's one of the like more not ugly Disney babies, but like she's not as perfect of, as all the rest of the Disney babies. Yeah. So that's nice yeah. to see. Which we we didn't even get to talk about little BBQ baby Quasimodo, <laughs> who is another uh, imperfect Disney baby. Yeah. He really, he really is, unfortunately. I think they did him wrong on that one, though. Okay, let's move on to our next matchup. It's the middle of the brackets. The number eight Baby Groot versus the number nine Baby Tarzan. Uh, everyone loved Baby Groot when these Guardians movies came out. I'm still fatigued off Marvel, everyone. We just did that massive Marvel bracket, uh, and we just finished up WandaVision, so I'm a little tired of Marvel. But I went back and saw some Baby Groot moments, and like they're great. Uh, baby Groot feels more just like a miniature version of Groot as opposed to like a baby-esque character. I feel like he, yes. he takes on the the human qualities of his age when he becomes a teenager uh, and they give him that kind of like not into it vibe. Uh, but the baby him is almost more like a pet. And I don't think that... Uh, babies necessarily should be viewed as pets or treated as such uh one of those pet moments comes in guardians of the galaxy 2 when they are uh infiltrating the the station trying to get to the like um the surveillance room and yondu is just like marking people with his arrow and the one of the the security guys or whatever comes up and Baby Groot like starts like screaming and growling and like chasing him away and then ends up like extending his hands, his root hands and, and stabbing this fool and throwing him off the or grabbing him and throwing him off the edge. That feels more like attack dog than it does baby. Uh, what what is baby about him is his like smallness, his cuteness, uh, his his like wanting to dance, I guess. Uh, sometimes when you put on like music for kids, especially like babies, if they really like it, they'll they'll kind of move back and forth. They'll move with the beat or just at least get really excited. And Groot does that. Uh, but Groot's doing it like very knowingly uh, because we see at like the, the end in the, one of the end credits of uh, the first movie, uh, Groot is like dancing to... I want you back or ABC or something like that. And every time Drax looks over, baby Groot stops dancing uh, in his little flower pot. And so it's like, that's a, that's a very self-aware thing for baby Groot to have, which I think limits his like babyness. Um, he feels too much like a, like an actual hero. He's up against baby Tarzan, which we don't get a ton of. We get the whole opening scene. I forgot how traumatizing the opening scene of Tarzan is and it's not even that the jaguar kills Tarzan's parents it's the jaguar killing Kala's kid and we get to like hear the the baby gorilla scream halfway through this baby sequence 
I must have just like blocked this out of my <laughs> mind because I, when I was rewatching the beginning half of this movie, I was like, oh, I forgot that we start off right away with a Philly C banger. And then all of a sudden, halfway through it, the baby gorilla gets away from the jaguar and then you just hear it screaming. I hate it. Why did they do that? <laughs> and that is a long sequence too. Mm-hmm. Like Tarzan, Tarzan does not get the baby stuff out of the way. Like that is a significant and important part of the movie Tarzan and like building that relationship between Tarzan and Kala. But yes, it is like kind of difficult to watch because it's so long and it lingers in that really difficult emotional space and they do such a good job of making kala seem so devastated and that's what like absolutely destroyed me i hate i hated that i hated having to watch that again uh which felt like for the first time because i completely forgot that that even happened anyways baby tarzan's sailing on a ship with his parents ships on fire we don't really know how it just is and uh we see baby Tarzan being held in like a, a blanket, being swaddled up in a blanket. And that's that's a very baby position for this character to be in. Um, that's more on the parents part than it is anything baby Tarzan's doing. But that's how we're introduced to this baby. OK, so they get to shore and they're trying to find like shelter and baby Tarzan points off screen and the, and the camera turns and they see a tree and they're like, that's where we're going to build our treehouse. The fact that like Tarzan is like pointing at random things, whether or not he chose pointed at the tree, the baby just like pointing at things that it sees is very, very baby of Tarzan to do. Babies love to just like reach and point. If you've ever been speaking of uh, Disney dad, Chris saving a baby at Disneyland, if you've ever been at Disneyland and have been anywhere near a baby in line or in front, like in front of you or next to you walking around they're constantly like pointing at people at things at like anything balloons so this this is some big baby stuff from tarzan uh, at the beginning of this movie at one point tarzan's mom tosses him up way too high to be tossing a baby up <laughs> after just surviving from a uh, a shipwreck and i think we need to be talking more about that don't throw your babies up that high i get the transition in the in the movie of relating Tarzan to Kala's dead gorilla baby, but still too high. And in typical baby fashion, uh, Tarzan is nowhere to be seen when the parents are building the treehouse. Babies are often very useless when you need to get things done. Tarzan's exhibiting that here by being a baby and not helping build shelter with the rest of his family. Dumb baby Tarzan. So besides the baby pointing at random things, besides the baby being swaddled, Baby Tarzan checks off a lot of my, like, what makes a baby list here. We hear the baby cry. Got it. Baby, is it going to sneeze? Baby Tarzan sneezes. Little cute, <laughs> cute little sneeze. We get some baby laughter. Uh-huh. Is there a smelly diaper involved? You know it. Do we see some spit bubbles? Of course. Babies love doing that. Tarzan does it too. And when they're tired, do they let out a very cute yawn? Yes, they do. Tarzan's doing it all in this six minutes of existence that we get to see before uh, big Tarzan shows up. Um, so, I mean, I could continue on with this, but I think in this matchup, baby Tarzan, for what he serves as like pot points, and I haven't even gotten into baby Tarzan versus the Jaguar, but just even listing these things that I've talked about with Tarzan, 
uh, Groot is still just too much of a pet character for me. Um, so I'm moving baby Tarzan on here. And you also didn't even get into You'll Be In My Heart and the importance no. of Tarzan's role in that song. Right. Which is uh, Philharmonic Phil <laughs> iconic. Um, question, theory. So you mentioned uh, Tarzan's ship on fire, unexplained. You know who else? Uh, like washes ashore after a shipwreck when the ship's on fire for no reason? Will Turner. <laughs> so, is there a connection between the two? Were they on the same boat? Maybe? Is there some pirate lord patrolling the waters whose, like, tactic involves flamethrowers or, or some type of, like, fire technology that is, is unique? We don't know. That's, Just mean, something to think about in yeah. the uh, Disney cinematic universe. There could be a, a bridge between pirates and Tarzan. Well, you know, in the in the fourth pirates movie, Blackbeard's ship does f- have a flamethrower attached to the front of it. So, like, did they cross Blackbeard? Was he just patrolling patrolling the waters at that point? Also, Could be. had had Frozen Two not happened, there was all those fan theories that Tarzan's parents were Anna and Elsa's parents because they uh. also died in a shipwreck. Uh, where they couldn't be found and they like some fan stated that there was uh, a connection to a brother or a reference to a brother in the first movie. I don't know. Maybe they're just making that up. Haven't seen Frozen enough times, but that Frozen 2 kind of washed that away. I wish that there would have been a Frozen 2 Tarzan crossover. They go into the into the forest nation and, they, <laughs> and Tarzan's just kicking it like what a crossover. But I like the Pirates one better. It's like, it, this is why the MCU is fun to watch, is because you never know who's going to show up. They should just lean into it. Like, they should throw out all of the rules and be like, you know what? Luke Skywalker is going to show up in, <laughs> in Falcon versus Winter Soldier. Like, you know what? I, we don't even care. Everything's one universe. Disney, you can pay me to write that yeah. crossover. Baby Groot. Baby Groot, I, I agree with what you said about Baby Groot feeling like a miniature adult Groot. But I think you could also make the argument that adult Groot is a giant Baby Groot. <laughs> and much like Cusco displaying infantile complexes in adulthood, maybe adult Groot is a child at heart, a baby at heart. Um, he does grow fast. May, maybe. Right, so maybe his body grows faster than his emotions or, or something. Sure. I don't know. Sure. Um, I think Baby Groot displays many baby qualities. Among those, uh, Baby Groot snacking on M&Ms. We got Baby Groot crying several times for different reasons. Uh, Gamora goes to leave Baby Groot with Rocket and Nebula, and he's really sad. Baby Groot cries when um, he's like getting made fun of by Yandu's crew. <laughs> Baby Groot also doesn't cry, but he like whimpers in a yeah. way that feels very realistic when he's doing that like bombing run and, and like it's getting really intense. There's lots of like loud noises and like flashing lights and it's kind of caving in around him. He, he gets like really scared and like kind of on the verge of tears. That felt really realistic to me. Baby Groot also has a, a, a temper 
Baby Groot smashing little tiny alien dinosaur things when we first meet him. And like you said, he has that moment where he, he like grows tentacles and starts messing people up. Baby Groot also uh, is a tired little guy. He falls asleep on Drax's shoulder at the end of the movie. Uh, Baby Groot also is extremely dumb and does not understand Rocket Raccoon trying to explain to him uh, the plan to blow up Peter's dad from the inside. That's just Groot at all times. Ba- Baby Groot also unexpectedly drops an F-bomb um, <laughs> when he says, well, Guardians of the freaking galaxy or whatever. Yeah. So uh, I see a baby that displays a range of emotions um, and is very unpredictable. And Tarzan is all those things too. But the tiebreaker for me is that I enjoy Baby Groot <laughs> deeply, deeply, deeply enjoy this character. So I'm I'm gonna make Amanda work oh. for a very first tiebreaker. Go. I'm going with Baby Groot. So Amanda, it's going to you. Uh, let's see. <laughs> so I think one big reason I'm gonna go for Baby Groot is the dancing. I think babies and like little kids dancing totally uninhibited, like just like move into the music. Such a baby thing. And also, I think most of the babies in Disney have this, but they're just totally ignorant of, like, everything else going on. So, like, the opening scene of Guardians of the Galaxy 2, just doing his own thing. Um, what, one of the greatest opening credit sequences of any movie ever is, yeah. is Guardians of the Galaxy 2. Wow. Okay. Well, I should have brought out the big Tarzan guns then, because... <laughs> Uh, during the Jaguar scene, Tarzan is very ignorant of the situation and treats it like it's a game of almost hide and seek with the Jaguar. He's, he's, he's a baby. All right. That's fine. That's fine. I'm not mad. I'm only a little sad. Hey, now you know how I feel when Figaro got bounced from the cat's bracket. When, when you have ammo, you need to use it, my friend. You can't be saving stuff like that, especially when you're going up against baby group. Sure. Let's move on to the next matchup. It is the number four seed Grogu versus number 13 Khan Baby. All right. Let's talk about Khan Baby. Khan Baby. Uh, I thought Khan Baby was funny the first time I saw Raya, but in reviewing those Khan Baby scenes in preparation for this bracket, I'm, I'm softening on my, on my lukewarm appreciation for Khan Baby. <laughs> Uh, start this scale starting to tip. Um, Khan Baby is aware of the effect she has on people. Yes, Khan Baby is very manipulative, and babies sometimes don't know how like effective they can be on humans. But you know what? Sometimes they do. Sometimes they can like charm you into getting what they want. That usually happens when they're a little bit older. Maybe a uh, very interesting. Um, I once heard a great, not a quote, but like a, an insight that no one teaches kids to lie or how to lie. Mm-hmm. Lying is a very like human instinct and seeing con baby be this con artist. Uh, I think that really kind of like highlights that aspect of human nature Sure, that, uh, everyone deep down is born to be slightly manipulative because you can only 
view the world through your own eyes. Like you're the only person who you know truly exists. And I think that's probably where all that comes from. But um, that's an existential conversation for another episode <laughs> of Mouse Madness. Um, but yeah, I, I, I appreciate how deceptive Con Baby can be um, and, and the power that Con Baby has over others. But Con Baby be doing crazy acrobats yeah. and like crazy action sequences and and martial arts maneuvers that babies just can't do. And like, I, I get that it's a Disney baby and like Disney babies are supposed to be kind of funny and they're supposed to, you know, kind of like almost be like the representation of a baby and not like a literal baby. Uh, they're just like a tiny character. And a lot of times they're funny and Con Baby does try to be funny, but I don't know. I As mean, a baby, when you're, when I you're think... raised by monkeys for the most part, right? Because I don't really remember what the timeline behind between like between the like Droon freezing up all of the people that they did and when they were unfrozen and when we meet Con Baby, like where that where we meet Con Baby in the timeline of that, I'm I'm unsure of because the Raya asks like where's your parents and one of the monkeys gestures like they were frozen essentially and so it makes me think like one then where does that put con baby in like age range right because that's either very recent like within the last month this happened or it happened like right when she was born and she grew up on the streets with the monkeys you know and it makes me think with her ability to, you know, uh, uh, be the, her, her con self that she grew up on the streets with these monkeys. Because it's kind of like when you see tourists go to like, what, Thailand and stuff, and there's the monkeys everywhere stealing people's phones and, and stuff out of their bags and things like that, you know? So like, sure, she, she, <laughs> she learned from the streets. Con Baby learned from the streets. School of hard knocks for yeah. Con Baby. Um. Yeah, when we were doing our demographic surveying, um, I saw some person on Twitter compare Con Baby to the penguins from Madagascar. Yeah, and super I was like, similar. <laughs> Ooh, like that might be what did it for me <laughs> to make me sour on Con Baby. So this is not baby related, but this is an observation that I forgot to mention when we were talking about Raya in the mini episode. Big Thanos snap energy from this Droon situation where like everyone's lost someone and like, what's it going to be like when everyone comes back? Uh, Everyone does come back and baby con baby gets her mom back. And we see con baby, I think get thrown up in the air a little bit too high. Mm -hmm. I think that's in there. Yep. Uh, And then con baby comes to Raya, the queen (laughs) and, and, and con baby does the circle. Right. Um, perfect coordination. The babies cannot do this. <laughs> babies do not have the motor skills to make this little perfect circle right here. Let me just tell you that. Con Baby is going up against Grogu. We we did an entire episode on Grogu. As I said earlier, Grogu is eternal. Grogu is transcendent. Grogu is incredible. Uh, I mean, we did we, a whole bracket, like discussing all the ways in which he is a baby, a great baby and a great character and just totally awesome. I'm going with Grogu uh, rather easily here. Wow. I think, so I think I might've answered my own question and then confused myself as far as Raya timelines, because 
when we see Raya lose her dad, she's like 13, maybe. And then we see. I think I remember. Um, was it five years? No. So Raya does that four seconds of narration when she's riding on top of Tuk Tuk. I mean, she says the number. And I remember when she said the number, me being very confused. Mm. Uh, she says, I'm like, oh, that was 20 years ago or something. And I was like, so you were like four years old? Because you didn't seem like you were that young when when you were playing with the dragon or something. I remember the, the, the timing seeming weird to me yeah. in the moment when I was watching the movie. Because Con Baby is like a baby. But it seemed like Raya grew up like at least until 16, which would put like three years on the like parents being frozen and current time, which would make Con Baby like three years old, (laughs) which feels not super baby. But, you know, whatever. I won't get caught up in the in the timeline. It's interesting that like you want you want to discount Con Baby's ability to like do things, and yet you want to advance a baby with like force power and like can talk through a a force phone booth. And hey, I'm not saying I'm not extremely biased in, no, in yeah. my choices. Here. I know you're not. I'm just questioning that bias a little bit here. <laughs> uh what I like about Con Baby though, and and I mean. Grogu has his baby tendencies, his like obsession with food um, or his motivation by food. He his like wanting to tinker with things like when he tries to take the little like gear shift ball off the off the ship. Like that's very something baby obsessive about him. Um, He's also he's also 50 years old. And I get that in his species (laughs) that makes him a baby. uh, But he's 50 years old. Con baby, given the talents that this gymnast of a baby has because she grew up on the streets. Uh, she she also has these like baby qualities about her. Like when they join the the boat and they're being fed and she's throwing food at uh at our boy, sure, the, yeah. the captain guy. Babies love to throw them some food. She she's wearing a diaper. I I didn't see Grogu in a diaper, and I don't even know how Grogu operated because well, we never really listen, saw Ryan Callahan had a little baby Yoda puppet and we looked underneath that robe and not there was nothing there. Not even likes. Baby so. Gro- baby baby Yoda force evacuates his bowels and he just like <laughs> releases it. it. It gets absorbed into his metachlorians and he sends it up through his force beam. So like what I compare con baby too is like jack jack in which they're like these very baby looking and acting characters but they have these extra powers um but at the same time you look at them and you're like that's a baby grogu feels the same way so like this is really close for me but i think because i can relate con baby closer to a baby than i can grogu who just felt like a small alien i'm gonna move on con baby just for the heck of it, knowing that Amanda has not even seen Ryan the Last Dragon, which makes <laughs> so me think pressure. that which which makes me think probably Grogu's moving on. But Amanda, go ahead and try and break this tie. Well, I don't have time to watch the whole movie. Uh, we'll pause it. We'll see you tomorrow. <laughs> <laughs> uh, 
Uh, all I've seen is the the little teaser, but I mean, I so my boyfriend was watching The Mandalorian. I came in halfway through the series and just started watching it because of Grogu. So, so. <laughs> Grogu has global it. appeal. <laughs> can't, I can't be mad at it. I figured that was happening. Had to give Con Baby her justice, even though I also don't really enjoy that character a whole lot so let's move on to the next matchup it is number five baby simba versus number 12 baby lady oh my god so we don't get a whole lot of either of these characters even less so of simba it feels like baby simba we get in the circle of life portion of the lion king and which uh mufasa kind of reveals that the reason why all of the Pride Lands is gathered here today is because there is a new lion and specifically, I guess, a male lion who's going to be the next king, hence the title of this movie. Cuteness factor. Babies are cute. Simba's got it here. Um, the the fact that like Grogu, um, Simba, baby Simba has transcended the world of just the Lion King. And I say that because if you've ever been to a sporting event in the last five years, uh, they may put on the circle of life and they may ask you to hold up your baby. And when you hold up your baby during that song, you're holding it up like Rafiki holds up baby Simba. Transcends the world of Lion King and into our real one, just like Grogu does. The Yankees don't do anything fun in their (laughs) in-game presentation. They do nothing fun. But in Kansas City, it was always my favorite because Sunday was family day, and that meant they were going to do the Lion King cam on Sundays. And I got to see people raising their babies up in the air, and it was a treat. And even better, in the last few years, when teams have been doing Bark at the Park, they'll do a little Lion King grab, and you will have to lift up your dog like Baby Simba. Baby Simba is everywhere. Um, this small lion has a lot of kind of normal baby, as well as like kitten qualities, Uh the way it's snuggling up when it's sleeping, the way that Rafiki shows up with his like stick and dangles it over Simba's face is very reminiscent of like you with your baby and you have like those plastic keys that you dangle in front of its face or like a, a, a mobile when you're when it's laying in its crib above its head. Babies love that stimulation and we see that on display when Rafiki kind of dangles his like stick over over the crib or over uh, Simba's face. What's interesting is like how all of these babies on this bracket react to being held or interacted with by complete strangers. You have like sometimes on this bracket, uh, they're not so chill like Bambi or sometimes on this bracket you have where there's like, yeah, sure. Lift me up over a cliff edge and show me off to the entire pride land. Like, and that's what Simba does. So I like, I wanted to fault Simba for that, but at the same time, like there's a lot of babies on this list who probably would do the same exact thing, including baby Tarzan. Rest in peace, who was lifted up by a gorilla and even just like was saved by one. So who can I be to judge? And then, of course, as I've said on my like baby checklist on the cuteness factor, we get ourselves a little baby sneeze when Rafiki uh, breaks the powder over Simba's head. We get a little cute sneeze. It's very baby like and I like it a lot. Going up against baby lady. Um, it's so now we're we're fully in the like baby animals and and how we define like babiness and for me it's it's by it's really by species it's like how i said about grogu he's 50 years old but in his species that's a baby 
for a lot of these animals, they may be a little bit older or seemingly older uh, because of their species. So like Bambi, the baby deer, baby deer will like be able to do a lot of things that like baby humans won't, you know, like speak and speak in fuller sentences. We don't get that from Lady here because she's interacting with humans. And in this universe, uh, humans and animals don't speak to each other. But she acts very much like a baby dog, like a puppy, and like a baby human in some ways. So Jim Deere gives Darling Baby Lady for Christmas. And Baby Lady is in a hat box, pops out of it like a puppy would. Very cute. Love it a lot. Um, they, that first night they try to train lady to sleep in a bed, uh, like any baby human or puppy can't figure out how doors work or swinging doors and gets a little caught up with the swinging door of the kitchen. When baby lady tries to follow the couple back up to the bedroom to sleep in their bed, uh, like other babies doesn't follow directions very well. Granted, there's a, a language barrier here, but uh, can't really follow directions. When Jim says, like, no, you sleep in here. Lady's like, nah, I'm going to try and chase you guys. We get some baby crying, some baby puppy crying in this. When Jim locks her behind that door, she's whimpering. She's howling. She's crying like a baby would. Um, and somehow finds her way out of the kitchen, just like a baby might find its way out of a crib. Very much just you know, not doing what it's supposed to be doing. She had difficulty walking up the stairs. Babies have that and sleeps in the bed with her parents. Babies love to do a little bit of that. So this one's interesting because we get a lot more like useful baby part out of baby lady, but just like the babiness of Simba and the iconicism that comes with being a baby Simba. So this is really like for being a 5-12 matchup is really a toss up for me, interestingly enough. Um, I guess if I were to pass it on based on personal bias and based on the ability to talk more when they have to go up against Grogu, I'm going to move on. I'm going to move on baby lady here, Chris. Number 12 seed, pass Simba. I, I'm really happy that baby lady made this bracket. Um, I am a frequent Disney store goer. There's one in Times Square. And it's nice because it has that Disney energy that you can get for free without even having to go to a Disney park where you're just surrounded by Disney merch and Disney music and helpful cast members. And you can feel for a second like you're not in New York City. <laughs> and there is a massive baby section of that store. And they make these super soft, super comfortable little pillows that are like made of baby Disney characters. And oh my gosh, I want to buy one because like they're so <laughs> like not only is like the texture soft, but the actual like plushness of where you put your head so soft. They got a symbol one and they got a lady one. So like these are two um, characters that are present in the Disney baby collection marketing materials. <laughs> That's important. Um, Michael Jackson dangled his baby over the edge of a hotel balcony. Oh was he trying to do a Simba? Oh, I don't, I don't think that was the first thing that went through his mind. But like, that was what I, I realized that when, when I was watching this circle, I was like, wait a second, Michael Jackson did that. 
Yeah. Was he and he loves Disney, so was he trying to be a Rafiki? Um I don't know. Neither do Could I. be. Could that's, be. That's a great that's a great We'd conspiracy have to theory. Ask to... Him. <laughs> um Yeah, baby Simba is on this screen for like four seconds. And yeah, he's cute. Um yeah, he is furry and cuddly looking. But I would counter that argument with watch live action Lady and the Tramp and tell me that baby lady in live action is not more cute and more cuddly and more adorable than baby Simba. Sure. Um, that's a real puppy, y'all. <laughs> As a real cute baby cocker spaniel puppy, I am advancing baby lady here as well. Down goes Simba. Amanda, do you agree with that? I do agree. I definitely agree with what Kyle said about her, like wanting to sleep with them that night and crying and totally very baby thing to do. Cool. Let's move on. Other side of the bracket where we've got number two Dumbo versus number 15 Big Baby. Mm-mm. Um, Big Baby, y'all. We talked about Big Baby in the best Disney minion bracket. <laughs> Big Baby is a funny Disney character. Yeah. Big Baby is funny because Big Baby looks like a baby but acts nothing like a baby. Big Baby can walk. Big Baby is scary and like weirdly demented kind of. It's like a horror character. Uh, we see Big Baby with like no clothes on and like one eye super wonky. And um, I'm pretty sure its body parts are like twisting in ways it's not supposed yeah, to. His head can turn around all the way. Yeah. Big Baby is the muscle in the Buzz Lightyear interrogation scene. Big Baby is the... Um, jail keeper <laughs> and all the toys are locked in the little <laughs> bins and yeah like when they're sneaking around the playground at night big baby is like weirdly staring at the moon yeah uh, it's like what is what is big baby doing and then inevitably big baby betrays lotso by picking him up and throwing him into a dumpster um nothing about this screams baby to me at all um there's a whole movie about Dumbo as a baby. And <laughs> like, there are a lot of great things to love about baby Dumbo as well. Um, like Amanda said, um, uh, an imperfect baby is a realistic baby because most babies aren't perfect. And Dumbo is not. Dumbo is born with huge ears. Dumbo's name is not even Dumbo. Nope. Dumbo's name is Jumbo, Jumbo. Jr.? Yep. Jumbo. Jumbo Junior, JJ, <laughs> and and they call him Dumbo because he's so dumb looking, right? Uh, and it rhymes with Jumbo, so he's Dumbo. Dumbo cries a lot, cries for his mom, cries when people are making fun of him. Uh, baby Dumbo accidentally gets drunk. We talked <laughs> about that last time on uh, Mass Madness, last last bracket, a couple episodes ago. Um. Yeah, I mean, I mean, that alone, just like those few Dumbo instances, make make Dumbo much more of a baby in, in every way than Big Baby. I mean, add to the fact that Dumbo is also a Disney character frequently featured in any type of Disney baby promotion. Um, and it's Dumbo. Easy. Yep, it's Dumbo. Big Baby is just a henchman character that is more toy henchman than is like baby henchman. And that's where I drew that line. And I I agree with you wholeheartedly. Dumbo should be moving on here. Amanda, do you agree with us? 
I agree. Definitely. Right on. <laughs> big baby is creepy. <laughs> <laughs> big baby is creepy. And big baby's character in Toy Story 3 is fantastic, but not a great baby character, especially not a great Disney baby character. So and, we're... and that's that's not to say babies can't be creepy. Let's let's get no, that no, no, straight. No, no. Because no, no, no. like Kyle said, babies have uh, extrasensory perception. Mm-hmm. Uh, according to my mom, when I was a baby, I used to kiss someone oh, what? from the other side. Like I would just be sitting there and, and I would like give kisses to something. What? Yeah. <laughs> I don't like that. Psychopath baby, be socks. <laughs> I don't like that at all. All right, let's move on to talk about the number seven, the exquisite the immaculate number seven, the Dalmatians from Disney's best animated film, The 101 Dalmatians, versus number 10, Baby Dory from Finding Dory. Uh, so the Dalmatians, we see them birthed until essentially 10 minutes after that, it feels like. I mean, they're, they're born, uh, they get taken, and then we see them go through that, that kidnapping phase. What's incredible about this movie is that like they're not just born, but we go through the drama of possibly losing puppies during birth, which is like a very common thing when when these puppies are born, especially when there's a multiple of them, is that sometimes some don't make it and we see Roger revive this baby. Now, this isn't necessarily like a baby moment in the traditional sense of like a adult or of a human baby being revived by their father, but it's a very like puppy baby moment in which the the owners or the vet is going to revive a puppy that seems to be like stillborn stillborn. Um these puppies take on a lot of human baby qualities. So so Lucky's the one that is brought back from the dead essentially and is also the one that is obsessed with watching TV. And Babies of all ages love stimulation and, and finding things that move and focusing on on those type of things. And so the fact that Lucky is standing up at the TV screen, staring at the action on the screen felt very, very baby to me. Um, we also have Rolly, who is obsessed with food, food motivated. We love a food motivated baby. Grogu is very similar to that. Um, and just the way in which they they have this like love and admiration for their parents. Their parents are constantly trying to keep them out of trouble. Obviously, they're unable to do that because they get straight taken by Horace and Jasper. But uh, they, you know, when Perdita and Pongo yell at Lucky to move from the TV or tell Rolly like, you just ate, you don't need to eat again, like setting those boundaries. That's a very baby to parent relationship. And as well as the way in which they handle their babies when they escape from the mansion and uh, babies that, you know, you think about human babies and how you need to protect them from basically everything because, you know, we can't, uh, human babies are essentially just useless until they can talk and walk. But like Pongo and Perdita know that they have to protect their puppies and when they're walking through like that snowstorm and they realize that some of their puppies are lagging behind they'll pick them up and that's a very like adult dog to to baby dog relationship in which they're like all right come on the rest of the pack's going 
I got to pick you up. We got to keep on moving. And just like even the way that they hold them by by the scruff of their neck is very puppy, which is very baby. Um, talking animals is very Disney. They they do a lot here. They're up against Baby Dory, and Baby Dory feel is is feels very much like that's just the name, kind of like Baby Groot that we've given younger Dory. Like she doesn't feel quite like a baby, especially because we're introduced to her with the parents preparing her for school. Now with that like perception of species aging in different ways then like sure maybe maybe dory was born three days ago and now it's off to preschool uh but it kind of seemed like in finding nemo we saw a lot of time pass between coral's eggs getting eaten and then nemo actually going off for the first day of school you know so like it's hard to know in this finding nemo universe how actually old uh dory is i think that they're really trying to highlight Dory's disability and and the fact that it's okay to have this disability as opposed to like Dory just being a baby and misunderstanding a lot of things uh in her character so she gives off a lot of just like qualities of not being able to follow directions not being able to understand what her parents want from her uh even being distracted when they're playing hide and go seek which is baby like right like babies holding holding their attention is very difficult if you don't have something stimulating, getting them to do really anything you want them to do is very difficult until they can understand what you want them to do. But it seemed like they were trying to send a different message here with with baby Dory in that it's okay to like have these disabilities and these learning disabilities and these memory loss disabilities and and you can still push through. And that's a huge message with any interaction with her and her dad is just keep swimming, you know, think about solving a problem a different way when she can't lift the shell and her dad teaches her like no you don't don't think of it as you can't think of it how you can do it differently um so this feels like uh, an older type of thing not so much baby all that's baby about her is that she's very cute and the way that she her voice sounds is very infantile you know uh but otherwise i feel like she might be a little too old for this for me to be honest so I got to go with my boys and girls on the 99 side. I got to go with the Dalmatians from 101 Dalmatians. Kyle, the effort and vigor that you put into getting any Dalmatian thing to advance out of the first round <laughs> is quite impressive, and I commend you for it. I'm loyal. Loyal to the soil out here. One of the running jokes on this show is how the Dalmatians just can't catch a break. And for your sake, I hope they do this round. Uh, but it won't be because of me. Um, <laughs> listen, in the Ryan mini episode, you said, I don't like Calm Baby because it seems like Calm Baby is voiced by an adult and not a real baby. And one of my favorite things about Baby Dory is Baby Dory is very clearly voiced by mm -hmm. like a two or three year old. Sure. It's so authentic. And every single line that comes out of Baby Dory's mouth, I crack up because it's just delivered so perfectly. Though the thing for me that that resonates with me is how Baby Dory understands things through song. And like as a camp counselor, that is so perfect because 
we always be singing songs at summer <sighs> camp to to two year olds and three year olds to get them to like stop talking or like get them to like stay together. It's like, all right, everyone, we're gonna sing a song, this repeat after me song, like whatever. Um, and so I just love that um that Dory's parents do that with her. Not sure. When I was watching the first Finding Nemo, I was like, whoa, I wonder what the origin story of Just Keep Swimming is. <laughs> like, <laughs> I didn't really need that. It wasn't an uh, answer to a question I, I had. But um, I will say, I think it fits the character. Finding Dory is an awful movie. It is really not very good <laughs> at all. Um, I, I, I remembered when revisiting it that I saw it twice and the second time, I was halfway through it. I was like, I don't remember why I came back to watch this movie again. And then I, I was like, I realized I was hungry and I checked my phone and Chipotle was closing in 20 minutes. And so I walked out of the theater so that I could get to Chipotle <laughs> before it closed. But yeah, I'm going with Baby Dory because oh I think gosh. Baby Dory is hilarious. And I, I agree with what you're saying about Baby Dory not being quite a baby, but Baby Dory feels authentically young child at the very least. So this one's going to Amanda for the tiebreak. So going with Kyle. Oh, wow. <laughs> we did it. <laughs> no, you convinced me. I, I was just watching the 101 Dalmatians. I don't think I've seen it in like 20 years. And I feel like they're definitely babies, especially the, the TV thing. And... I do agree that Dory is probably a little bit too old for this, but it's also hypocritical because I advanced <laughs> some other characters. So, welcome okay. to Mouse Madness. Yeah. That's what we do on this show. We oh. don't make sense. We're inconsistent and uh, illogical. But yep. hey, it is what it is. All right, Dalmatians will advance. Let's move on to the next mashup. It is number three, Young Prince Bambi, versus <laughs> number fourteen. Piper, this is an interesting one. This is I like the Chris Bowersox matchup right here. I, Young I, Prince I, versus Piper. I mean, come on. One of these is clearly better than the other. I, I do love Piper. And I think the reason why I went back to Finding Dory a second time is because I really wanted to see Piper again. <laughs> because this is obviously like pre-Disney Plus. Like I, there would be no way to see that again right. except to go back and watch it again. So... I think I just really wanted to see Piper. Piper is a great uh, Pixar short. I had Piper winning the best Pixar short bracket, but Callie did me dirty. She's the <laughs> owner of Piper Art, and she still went with Bao. I, I, mm -hmm. That is one of the most like confusing tie breaks I, I've ever seen on this show, but I do love Piper. And Piper displays a lot of real major baby tendencies, Piper, very, very uh, food motivated. Um, we see Piper at the beginning wanting to get fed by their mother and also making it their mission to go out and like find food. Yep. That's kind of the story of Piper is a little baby bird is hungry, got to eat and learn a little baby bird learns how to fish um, by making best friends with the little tiny crab. I think you could you could apply that argument of like, oh, it's not quite a baby. Like it seems like it's it's capable, but I mean, this is where we get into that like animal thing, you know? Like, yeah, 
animals hatch and can learn how to walk like immediately. You know, totally. they have different gestation periods. So yeah. maybe it's a little bit more developed when it comes out. Uh, age is a social construct. Babyism is relative. So um, I think for animals, I mean, I, I don't know. I, I'm I'm not very inclined to use that argument. Piper doesn't really understand the ways of the world. Piper gets uh, annihilated by a wave, which is something that would happen to, to babies and children. That's how you learn things is like you, you mess things up and uh, you put your hand on a hot stove and that's how you know stoves are hot. Or, you know, you put your bare hand into snow when you're a little baby and that's how you know snow's cold. Um, and pipe, we see that with Piper, like learning that waves will mess you up if you stand in front of them. So I like that. I like seeing Piper experiencing things for the first time, like a baby would, but Bambi, the first 45 minutes of the movie, that's all Bambi's about. Yeah. We see the entire forest super stoked that the young prince is about to be born. Everyone rolls up to the birth and he pops out. There he is in all of his splendor. We see Bambi stand up for the first time. We're like, oh, you go. Is he go? Is he go stand? He stood up. Let's go. Uh, and like that is the brilliance of Bambi to me is that like the, it seems like the most like insignificant, um, unimportant thing. Baby deer learns nature um yeah. and, and it's it's still like so gripping as a movie we see bambi learn how to talk for the first time dumper is like that kid in your class who like knows a little bit too much about <laughs> life and like yeah. maybe exposes you to things you shouldn't know uh, at such a young age but in bambi it's very g-rated thumper's like this is a bird can you say bird and baby be like Bert, Bert, um, Bambi's chasing butterflies, thinks they're birds. Oh my gosh! Sorry. Uh, now, now I'm plot summarizing Bambi. Um, <laughs> it's Bambi. It's Bambi, yo. I, I love the young prince. I stand the prince. This one of my. We could end the podcast today with a grand total of like thirty listeners lifetime, and I, it was a success because I have learned that Bambi is one of the all-time greatest Disney characters. Yeah, yeah, it's Bambi for me as well. You you said essentially what I was going to say. Um there's also just not enough from not enough from Piper for me to you know confidently move that bird along. So, Manda, do you think we did the right thing here and move Bambi past Piper? Yes, but I wish Piper was against someone else. And Yeah. He reminds me of the snowy plovers at Santa Barbara. Yes. Yes. Yes, indeed. Absolutely. Chris brought that up a lot, I think, during the fix our short bracket because, uh, yeah, I was the, uh, for one week at the family vacation center, I was supposed to be the nature hike leader. And like an integral part of that was educating vacationers on snowy plovers. So I got like a crash course on the snowy plover one afternoon. Uh, and I think Campos ended up taking that over, and he did not know as much about the snowy plovers as maybe he should have. But uh, sorry, Christian, <laughs> if you're listening. To this. <laughs> All right, let's move on to our final matchup of this round of sixteen. It's number six, Baby Moana versus number 
11 baby Hercules. A little mythology lesson for everybody. Buckle up. Here we go. Hercules in Greek mythology is Heracles. Uh, and Hercules is the Roman name for that god, demigod. Uh, in this mythology, is the son of Zeus and a mortal woman, not Zeus and Hera. And Hera in this mythology also like hates Zeus because Zeus is like a straight up player in Greek mythology. He's out here just like getting everybody pregnant, not caring about what his wife Hera thinks. And in this mythology, Hera does a ton of things to seek revenge on Zeus. So like, it's funny because in this opening scene, we see Zeus and Hera as this like loving couple having just given birth to Hercules. And it's like, that's not how the Greek myth wrote it. However, there's also many different versions of this Greek myth of who Hercules is and how he was born and how he got his powers and who his mother is and and so many different stories about how Zeus and Hera's relationship was that I like commend Disney for just like also making up their own story because that's essentially like what was happening in this mythology as well. A lot of it is just like to teach lessons and to explain things in Greek mythology. Uh, so like, go ahead, make a different story using these characters. I'm I signing off on that. I liked it a lot, but I just thought it was funny that we, the first thing we see really uh, of baby Hercules is this like loving family. And that's really not how it was <laughs> at all in the in mythology of it. So anyways, uh. Baby Herc is like a baby, dude. This, this is like a newborn god baby. And they're just, they're getting the Bambi treatment, the Simba treatment. Bring all the homies to the yard. Show them off the, the newborn baby of this kingdom that would essentially be like Zeus's prince that would then rule Mount Olympus or whatever. Um, and this is a very baby baby, right? Like it, it, this baby's in a little crowd crib. Um, obviously super strong because he's a god. So it's kind of like Jack-Jack where it's like a baby that has these powers but also takes on such a heavy baby quality. And one of those being that uh, the baby's able to grab Zeus's lightning bolt and Hera's like, oh, like, don't let him grab things. Like, Herc, you gotta be careful. And Zeus is like, nah, he's not gonna hurt himself. And what does this baby do? Takes that lightning bolt, puts it right in his mouth. That is what any baby would do with any object is like, oh, I can grab it. Let me put it in my mouth. That's that's exactly what would happen. And I love that that they included this like pure babiness into this like God form of a character. Um, When Zeus makes Pegasus right after that uh, to give him a, a steed and a pet, essentially uh, Herc headbutts Pegasus and that just really represented to me babies being rough with household pets. There are always videos on the internet. And if you've ever brought a baby around a cat or a dog, they're just going to like death grip that animal or just like rough house that pet. And it's, it's always the same outcome. The pet is just like, what is happening? And the baby thinking everything's fine with the adults freaking out. That's what happens here. And he also does it again with the uh, pain and panic when they kidnap him and they become snakes, just death gripping those snakes and just beating them together. That's such a baby relationship with animals, I feel like. like You have to teach them to be gentle with animals. Teach them 
to to be i guess like afraid of snakes or wary of snakes herc isn't any of that because he is a baby he's up against baby moana who is like definitely a baby loves her story times loves uh obviously her parents is very like uh very dependent on her parents and her grandmother uh but also has the freedom to just kind of do whatever she wants and we see that when she wanders off to the beach which is cute and very baby like very like walking kind of stumbling more than she is walking the thing that like threw me off from her babiness is like her ability to problem solve as a baby and i get that like that's the disneyness like she's has a special connection to nature. So I'm talking about when she protects the turtle from like the vultures that are at the beach and lets it get to the water. That like problem solving sense of initiative felt a little bit not baby enough for me, even though that could be her like superpower. But as I'll talk about with Jack-Jack, all these babies at that time don't really know how to use their superpowers. So like this feels a little bit too much for me and also that like i get that her connection to the water is how it is but she's just so confident and brave to like interact with that it feels not as babyness with me and then what really threw me off was when uh her dad comes to like scoop her up and she says she she says like but i want to go back to the ocean or something like that." yeah she says but yeah, some something even more complex than that, maybe. But she like expresses in a full sentence that she wants to go back. And I'm like, all right, full sentence for a human baby. It, it, we'll pass it for like a puppy. We'll pass it for uh, a baby lion. We'll pass it for literally any animal because I feel like that's a little bit more Disney. But for the baby to be speaking full sentences and know what they want and express it is a little too old for me. So here I'm moving baby Herc on. Well, they they do one better than that even about three minutes later when they're doing Where You Are, sung by Moana's father. Baby Moana gets a little, like a little bar. She goes, <laughs> I wanna see. <laughs> it's like perfect. Like Babies are not that articulate and they do not have that sense of rhythm. All right. I have watched babies try to do jumping jacks before. They cannot keep time. It is it is outside of their brain abilities. So that's impossible. And Daddy Lynn, like, has kids. He knows that this isn't realistic. Yeah. Little fun fact I learned about Daddy Lynn last night on my Alan Menken happy hour. Lynn named his son Sebastian after the Sebastian from The Whoa. Little Mermaid. Whoa. Yeah. Menken dropped that. On the happy hour, just like Casual. humble, humble brag. Like, <laughs> what so is this funny. happy hour? Chris went on to a a happy hour with Alan Menken uh, last night. It was where so good. Alan Menken was just so- answering questions, telling stories to like Chris and his closest seven hundred friends. <laughs> and uh, so I'm agreeing with you. I am going with Baby Hercules. Amanda, do you agree with that? Do you, are you okay with us leaving Moana on her island? No, but that's okay. <laughs> oh, no. Uh, wait, tell us why. Tell us why. I mean, I just love Moana. And I feel like, again, hypocritical. I don't think she's too old. And I 
I just love that she's like so oblivious of like the ocean around her. She keeps like walking to pick up the shells, like the next shiny thing. Yeah. Um, and sort of like, it reminds me, there's a story about my older brother and my aunt and uncle were watching him and he suddenly was up on a ladder when they like stopped watching him for like 30 seconds. And I feel like that's, that's Moana just like escaping from everyone. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. I mean, you're not wrong. We've brought up like the ignorance of babies in this discussion already. So you're, you're, your qualms with our pick is very warranted and valid and uh, maybe Hercules just did it for us. So maybe Hercules is going to move on along with these other elite eight matchups. It is the number one Jack-Jack versus number eight Baby Groot. Down the brackets, number four Grogu versus number 12 Baby Lady. Across the brackets, number two Dumbo versus number seven the Dalmatians. And rounding out the Elite Eight is the number three Bambi versus the number 11 Baby Hercules. Chris, who knew there was so much to talk about when it came to baby Disney characters? Yeah, I mean, uh, not a whole lot of surprises for me here. Uh, Everything kind of shook out how I thought it would for the first round. We've got some tough matchups coming up next episode. So uh, this final four could be stacked cannot wait amanda thank you so much for joining us this week and thank you for uh shedding some of your baby insights and opinions happy to join all right everybody well you know how to reach us you got something to say about these babies you got baby thoughts uh hit us up send us an email at mousemadnesspodcast at gmail.com or you can interact with us, join us on social media. We're on Twitter, Instagram, Facebook, and Discord. Links to all of those channels are in the description of this episode. We'll see you next week. And until then, I'll play you out with a little lullaby. Let those eyes sparkle and shine. Never a tear, baby of mine. Oh, 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 oh,